0: please say thank you. Uh, Tonight I want to talk about how to really experience freedom, uh, how to really be free. You you probably have heard a misquoted scripture over and over again, something to this effect. You will know the truth. Actually they say this, the truth will set you free. The, The truth doesn't always set us free. Bless you. Sometimes the truth just ticks me off. Uh, I made something in my life, and you come and decide to tell me the truth about it. I may not always be happy about that. Sometimes the truth offends me, and oftentimes the truth separates us from the standpoint of relationships. So tonight I want to talk about what does Jesus say about how to really experience freedom in your life, both in your relationships, your spiritual life, and your personal life. So if you have your Bibles, you can. Otherwise, you look at the screen. It's John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus says this, If you hold to my teaching... You're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, pause just for a second. If you, if you underline, if you highlight, uh, if you have an app or something, highlight, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. It's just not the truth, it's the, the truth of Jesus' word. He says, if you hold to my teachings, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The response of the crowd that he was talking to says, they answered, and we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone how can you say that we will be free Jesus replied very i say to you i tell you everyone who sins is a slave to sin not to a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed so how can we experience real freedom first what keeps us from freedom two things we find in this passage the first one is pride look at verse 33 uh, they said, the Pharisee says, we are Abraham's descendants or the, the, the uh, seed of Abraham. It's interesting, pride keeps us from experiencing God's truth because we can't experience God's truth if we only live within our own truth. And then all of a sudden we ex- have blame, we have excuses. Uh, it's your fault, it's not my fault. We deny that anything is wrong. Uh, this this last fall, Susan and I were uh, taking kind of a weekend away and we got a call from a couple friend of ours. We taught the Bible study for them, and, and I groomed him up to be the teacher. And she said, Susan, uh, I'll make up a name. Don has had a, an affair. Can you and Phil come to our house? So we went to the house, and Susan talked to her. I went out for a walk with him. And it was interesting. I, you know, I called Don, this is what you've done. This is sin. This is wrong. And he was so prideful. He gave denial, he gave excuses, and he blamed. It's her fault. Uh, I wanted to live an extraordinary life, and she doesn't live like me live an extraordinary life. And I said, Don, you are so prideful right now. You can't experience the truth because your pride is blinding you. Our pride keeps us from accepting the element of God's truth in our life that we're all sinners and need a Savior, that we all have made mistakes. The second thing we can find that keeps us in the Scripture here, that keeps us from this, is lack of self-awareness. Again, the end of verse 33 says, We we are Abraham's descendants and have never been a slave of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? So lack of self-awareness. You may not have any church background, but if you know anything about the history of Israel, you know that they were slaves to the Egyptians. Even if you didn't know that, when you watched the Ten Commandments, you knew something was up, right? And so the the element of that, plus you had Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament, plus at that time they were under the Roman domain of him taking care of them and being under their their, uh, entitlement of the process. So they were under the the, the enslavement of the Romans, Roman Empire. And so in the process of that, our lack of self-awareness oftentimes keep us from knowing the truth. Tasha Urich wrote the book about a year and a half ago called Insights. In it, she does great research on the fact that we as human beings are not very self-aware. We don't have anything to, to mirror up to what our lack is. That's why when we look at God's word, it's able to tell us where we're lacking. There's an element of perception that we have about ourselves that sometimes other people don't see. Now, on December 17th of this year, uh, Susan and I will be married for 36 years at 2 p.m., and before we met, we met at East Central University in Ada, Oklahoma, home of the Fighting Tigers, and before I met, Susan, two years, I went out with this girl who was in the Alpha Gamma Delta Sorority. Are there any Alpha Gamma's here tonight? Okay, good. And so we went back to my apartment, my roommate was in the, the other room studying, and and she said, Phil, I, I usually don't date guys like you. And all I could think is, yeah, you're probably right. You probably don't <laughs> date guys like me. She said, I usually date guys who are athletic and good looking. Um, I could hear my roommate doing the same thing in the other room laughing. <laughs> A couple years later when Susan and I met, I told her that story. And she said, well, you're athletic. And it just got worse. But um, sometimes our self-perception is not what's real. And... It's coming to the point of, what's the awareness of what I'm doing in my life? And it's linked to, by the way, my pride keeps me from being self-aware. I'm so focused on being right in my pride that I'm not self-aware of that. I was working with the executive team a couple of weeks ago, and this guy raised his hand and says, Phil, I... Feel like I, have a, I disagree with something you just said. And I, he told me, I said, okay, so what you're saying is this? He said, yes. I said, okay, that makes sense. And I kept on going. Raises his hand again. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. I'm disagreeing with you. I said, that's way okay. You, I, I'm not right on everything. I, I appreciate your perspective and your candor, and uh, thank you very much. He said, no, no, you don't understand. You're, I'm right. And I said, you are. I'll let you be right. Let's just kind of move on and say, no, 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 you need to know that I'm right as well. And I said, that's not going to happen. Why don't you just enjoy being right and let continue the conversation? What I'm finding more and more as I work with individuals and organizations, executives and organizations, is the need to be right. There's a book called Conversation Intelligence. It says the brain itself has a desire to be right. We want to be right. Why? Because we're prideful. And we're not self aware of what's going on. So, because of that, then we're still stuck in the slavery of our sin. So, there's two types. Because of that, what happens is we have temporal freedom and we have spiritual freedom. Temporal freedom is this it's my decision. When I make my decisions, oftentimes they're anxiety of worry. I make a decision about something. I I read something a couple weeks ago around the research that said people spend the majority of their time either regretting a decision they've made in the past or worrying about a decision they're making in the future. Temporal freedom is, this is the right decision for me based on pride lack of self-awareness. The second thing in temporal freedom is my comfort. My comfort oftentimes leads to selfishness of what I want, my way, my will, as opposed to service third thing is my expression, which oftentimes leads to outrage. Uh, the new phrase, I think, is this. Phil, I need to share my truth with you. I don't want you to share your truth with me. I whatever." And I get that more and more. Hey, can I share my truth with you? Well, okay, I'll, I'll give you a perspective, but it's, it's not the truth. It's just your truth. Yeah, but it's, it is true, though. <laughs> so th- there's an element where people get more and more upset because of the need to be right. We see this, the lack of having candor and curiosity because we have to be right. That's temporal freedom. What's spiritual freedom? The opposite of that. So, first, spiritual freedom is God's will. God's will brings about peace. Philippians 4, 6, and, uh, 4, 4, 6 and 7 says this uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. Which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The spiritual truth brings about peace in your life. You don't have to worry about your past. Jesus forgives that. You don't have to worry about your presence. He's taking care of that. Spiritual truth brings about real peace. Also, spiritual truth brings around God's service, which brings about fulfillment. Ephesians 2.8.9 and 9 says, We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, not as a result of works that no one should boast. And sometimes we stop there, but Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are his workmanship. Great for good works in Christ Jesus. So spiritual freedom comes not in my will. It comes in God's will in serving him in in fulfillment. I love what Augustine said. He writes and teaches that true freedom is not choice or lack of constraint. But being what we're meant to to be. Humans were created in the image of God. True freedom then is not found in moving away from that image, but only in living that image out every day. It's being who God created you to be. That's the freedom. Once we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can experience the freedom of not only peace, but also fulfillment. The third spiritual element of this is in God's truth was his connection. We have an element of God's truth which connects us to him. Love Romans 8, such gives a good picture of the connection that we have with God. In Romans 8, it talks about that when we're praying, if we don't know what to pray, God's spirit, Holy Spirit, prays for us, intercedes for us. That Jesus is also always interceding for us. And then we call God Abba, Father. There's an element of once we experience the truth of God's Word and the truth of Jesus Christ into our life, we have a connection with Him. That's one of the things I both appreciate and admire about this church is, they, is a connection. They just did a little testimony about how they have groups that you can connect in, real people, real problems, real solutions around the center of the truth of God's Word. If you want to find connection in Jesus Christ and connection in His community, this is a place you can find that but we found it in the person of Jesus Christ and his word. That's spiritual freedom, not temporal freedom. So how does Jesus set us free? Let's go back to the scriptures. Three ways. One is through forgiveness. Forgiveness. Jesus says in verse 34, Verily I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I have a bunch of friends who are involved in the 12-step program. And the first step in the 12-step program is realizing my life is out of control and I can no longer control it. Jesus gives us freedom and forgiveness of our sins to where we're cleansed. Psalm says this He cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, and He remembers them no more. If you're carrying guilt from the past or shame from the past, remorse of something that you've done from the past, you have the ability to find freedom in Jesus Christ because He forgives. And he forgets. He cleanses that. You have to dig it back up again every time. True forgiveness comes from him. The second thing is freedom. Verse 36, Jesus says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom. There may be some of you, as you came here tonight, or you had experiences this last week, you thought, boy, I wish this part of my life could be free. Because you feel the burden of that sin. Because once we get locked into that man, sin can control us and just wipe us out. We can find freedom through the person of Jesus Christ. He says, when the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. You're no longer bound by the chains of that. But you're free at this point. Talking to a friend of mine in California, he's a pastor now. About probably four or five years ago, Susan and I went to seminary with he and his wife. He had an affair, and he was trying to reconcile, and we were talking about this, and he said, I'm so angry with her because she's not forgiven me. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, what, what makes you think that? Well, I can just tell she has not As you begin to describe it, I said, Peter, let me give you a metaphor. He said, okay. He said, imagine that you're in a cell, a jail cell, and you're sitting on the stool in the jail cell, and you can see the bars hanging out. Can you see that? He says, yes, I can. I said, and see your wife walking back and forth, pacing. Can you see that? Yes, I can. You see the door? Yes, I can. Look to your right. What's those? Those are the keys to the jail cell. See, you're keeping yourself locked in that because Jesus has already forgiven you. But yet your guilt and your shame and your remorse from what you've done in the past, when Jesus sets us free, we're free Indeed. Not free from the consequences of sin, but we're free from the penalty, the guilt, and the shame of sin. Take the keys of freedom that Jesus Christ has given you and unlock the doors and walk out and spend time with your wife. Two weeks ago, I got a Facebook message from her, and it's talked about how they're doing well, thanking us for their prayers. They're just doing they're so much better because he came to the point of forgiving himself, realizing that Jesus has forgiven me because when the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. The last thing he sets sets us free from, or for, is family. Look at verse 35. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. When you come into the family of God, into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you come into a family. You come into a family of the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Roman age. You come to this family of community of believers. You come into a community group where people can love and struggle, whether it's for five minutes or 15 minutes. You're able to come together and love each other and serve each other. That's what family's about. The, the big theological word for that, I had to write it down. It's so big, glorification. I'm not sure what that means. I went to seminary. But here's what We're family. So, so we have forgiveness, we, we have freedom, we also have family. We don't have to live in the shame or the guilt of our past because we have connection with one another. That's what Jesus forgives us from. The struggle is this. Oftentimes, as I talk to people that are dealing with wanting to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, is they it's They know their sin better than they know what it's like to be free. There's an old story, I don't know if it's true or not, about a Persian general. And supposedly what he would do is he would give people a choice when he caught them, of the enemies. He'd bring them up. You have a choice of either the firing squad or you can go through the black door. What's behind the black door? Well, that's for your choice. You can go at the unknown of the black door or you can do the firing squad so they caught a spy they brought him in they gave him the same choice you have the firing squad and the firing squad was there or you can go through this black door and he said he looked at the black door he looked the firing squad i'm gonna go to the firing squad they shoot him as he's walking away he's he's cleaning his boots he's walking away his assistant said sir what's behind the black door he said freedom said what freedom they choose the black door they walk they're free he said, what I have found is that people, humans, would rather stand and be what they know than the fear of the unknown of what they don't know. Oftentimes in our sin, as we are slave to sin, it feels comfortable because we know what that's like. We know how to manage it on our human basis. What we don't know and what we've not experienced is What does it look like to experience freedom? What does it mean to be free from your sin, from the burden of your sin, from the guilt of your sin, from the shame of your sin? Jesus frees us from that. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's the door. The question for you tonight is, Are you going to be willing to live in the continual, perpetual, metaphorical firing squad of living with your sin every day and being hurt and being hurt? Or will you choose the door of Jesus Christ to walk through him in a relationship with him and say, he can set you free? Because if the son sets you free, be free indeed. That's your choice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care deeply for us to the point that you sent Jesus Christ die on the cross for my sins and the sins of the people out here. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here that if they're dealing with sin in their life and they're still a slave to sin, that, that tonight they would turn that over to you and experience real freedom. Jesus, you said when the sun sets us free, we'll be free indeed. I pray for those who... Don't know you, but yet are curious about having a relationship with you. What does it mean to be free? What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That Jesus, tonight, they'll come. They'll be willing to walk through the door. Say, Jesus, I'm ready. I know you're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. No one comes to you through the Father. That they'll find forgiveness. They'll find freedom. They'll find family tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.